P-U-X World. P-U-X World. P-U-X World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims. Kane Sims. Kane Sims, the one and only. Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about boys. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey, all right. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. You've heard Dustin's name mentioned in the intro. He's having a bit of a hiatus while he looks after a newborn baby, uh, taking a bit of paternal leave, which uh, I could do with myself, to be honest, at the moment. I feel as though I could do with a bit of a bit of a break and time off as things start uh, opening back up again. A bit of time off to spend in the pubs, I think. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Gary? You hearing us? Gary, are you hearing us? Yeah? No? We're talking beers and pubs. We're talking beers and pubs. <laughs> <laughs> just, activity. just as the party gets started, we lose Gary's audio. What about you, Corinne? Are you uh, are you beering and pubbing at the moment? Well, uh, in the Netherlands, we're still under some special, let's say, rules with COVID. So the terraces are open during the day. Right. It's good. Fair enough. So I can have a beer during the day. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Better than nothing. Better than nothing. Yeah. So Gary is not hearing anything at the moment. That's a bit of a. Uh, hmm. That is a bit of a nightmare. Let's see if Gary can try leaving and returning. Let's just uh, let's just stick that in here. Uh, while we try and sort Gary's audio out. Uh, so so. Netherlands at the moment is not too great then, Corinne, in terms. Well, of- yeah, no, in the case, it's getting better and better. It's just. Um, yeah, you can go out and have a drink outside or lunch um, yeah. during those hours. Vaccine-wise, so what's going on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not much. <laughs> well, no, no, there's definitely some so, some vaccinations going on, um, but it's it's not the best yet. But we're we're getting there. We're cool. on a roll now. I am positive about. That's good. These, uh, scaling up so that's good yeah that's good gary we've got your back it sounds like we have yes nice. sorry about that who knows you missed the you missed the the main part of the discussion which we tend to have at the beginning of every show which is <laughs> talking about the pubs reopening and uh, what everyone's oh. tipple is these days <laughs> yeah. oh yeah well i got my first vaccine uh last friday so uh another week or two and i'm gonna be uh yeah i'm gonna be hitting the pubs i i hit i made national news as well when really? I was at the vaccine centre, the national news crew turned up and started filming us all. So, wow. yeah, that was that was weird. <laughs> wow, interesting. I once made national news when I went to visit a place called Butterfly World in the northeast, and it was a time when do you remember um, Alexander the meerkat from yes. uh, from yeah. the adverts? I don't know if you know of that, Corinne, in, in in the Netherlands. There's a there's a meerkat called Alexander that used to be the mascot for an insurance company, and uh-huh. uh, one of the one of the compare the market companies. And we went to this butterfly world to see these meerkats because we used to like meerkats. And uh, ITV, the the news showed up filming uh, filming a special on how meerkats and everyone's loving meerkats because of this advert and stuff. So we got interviewed about our love for meerkats, <laughs> which was uh, well. So there you go. Then, then, what then, did you say? I love meerkats. That was, that was the only thing I mean, that made it on. Just me going, I love meerkats. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. It's on Facebook somewhere. I think I'll have to dig it out at some point. 
But anyway, anyway, uh, enough meerkat chat. And they've got a bot, actually, funnily enough. uh, Alexander is in bot form these days. Uh, Whether he used Microsoft bot services for that, I don't know. Maybe that will all will be revealed during the course of this conversation. Um, But Gary and Corrine, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you joining us. Um, Looking forward to this discussion. We're going to have a bit of a chat about about Microsoft Azure bot services and and some of the uh, technologies. Hello, Rachel, tuning in on YouTube. Uh, And if you are tuning in, feel free to ask Gary or Corrine any questions you have as we go through the discussion. We'll do our very best to answer them. Um, and for those of you that are tuning in, before we do the the, the uh, proper intros, we are running a little webinar with Gary and Corrine coming up uh, in the next few weeks, uh, June the 20 or 17th, I think it is. And uh, so if you're interested in that, we're going to dive into some of the discussions that we're going to have today are going to touch on some of these topics. But in mm-hmm. this webinar, we're going to really get some hands-on uh, look at a close look at uh, at some of the services that Microsoft offer as far as conversation layout is concerned, things like Composer, connecting bots up to the Azure um, co- uh, communication services and, and, and send them into phone lines and best practice for voice design, chatbot design, all that kind of stuff. So if you are interested in that, do head to vux.world forward slash Microsoft and we'll keep throwing that link up there throughout if you are at all interested. I definitely recommend you tune in because uh, it's going to be immense. Um, so without further ado, Gary, Let's start with you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and about what you're up to at Microsoft and what you do? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, I'm a program manager on the conversational AI team, formerly an engineer uh, on the Bot Framework SDK team. Um, and my main focus day to day is um, gathering the customer requirements, understanding the industry and the market. Where is it going from in in terms of conversational AI, and then planning the uh, roadmap in collaboration with colleagues like Corrine and our engineering colleagues for what we are going to see over the next sort of 12, 18 months. Um, and yeah, delivering on that and making sure that we've got the best possible experience. Nice. Sounds good. Corrine, what about yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Microsoft. Uh, experience. It's the right hook on that. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'm a designer uh, in the conversational AI team uh, with Gary, and that actually means I uh, work on the design of our bot builder uh, products. So uh, Composer is one of them, but uh, there's a lot more services surrounding that. And um, I actually focus a lot on the template. So we're, we're going to release some well, let's say uh, quality enhanced uh, templates that are ready for pop builders to use. So uh, if you're a dev, a designer or a content writer, it's definitely of interest uh, to you because we highlight the patterns um, that work best um, in, let's say, typical uh, scenarios. Mm. Um, Yeah. Before I I consulted uh, within Microsoft, so I actually designed virtual agents and bots for for some customers. So I know from that end um, how how nice it is to have the tools work with you, well, kind of for you and with you on what you want to create, right? So it's also now fun to be at the other end with Gary and of course uh, the whole dev team to create those tools um, Mm. for people uh, to create. Well, I think that's something we, we that's something we've got in common uh, because mm-hmm. prior to Microsoft a couple of years ago, I spent ten years out in uh, a digital agency uh, building mm-hmm. bots for the last sort of three or four years with these tools. So yeah, it's been an exciting time to be able to come in on the inside and actually get to shape them. 
Mm. It's interesting that. What's, what's mm. like, so there'll be people tuning in who, I always ask this question to designers who've come from doing stuff like UX design, more visual design into conversation design. And, and an interesting question is like, what was the first thing that you learned that kind of struck you as something different to the typical role or, or skill sets that you needed for the for graphical design? So going from, and this would be interesting to get both your answers, going from people who have been using the tools that we all use to create mm-hmm. applications to build conversation eyes to the, the other side, to, to actually working on the tools themselves, what were some of the things that kind of stuck out to you as either lessons or, or things that were surprising or things that you wanted to address immediately when working on, uh, rather than with the tools, working on the actual tool in themselves? Let's start with you, Gary. Yeah. Um, so I guess I can go, it, it's sort of two parts, really. I can go right back to 2016 when uh, Microsoft's bot products were first announced. Um, and the day after I decided to build, we had a, uh, a fridge in the office at work. Uh, we called it the timesheet fridge. And it was full of beer. Um, and we had a, a lock on the fridge. And at 4 p.m. on a Friday, if everyone done their timesheets, it got unlocked and everyone got a beer, right? And um, everyone loved it. But the biggest problem was people would forget to do their timesheets, etc. cetera. And um, I then set out to build a bot. And I made a sort of a, uh, a bot for this fridge. And I put that out there for people to use so they could say, hey, have I done my timesheets? Who's not done their timesheets? More importantly, who do I need to go and hassle? Um, and the feedback came back, it works, it's great, but it, it is, it, it's also broken. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And they were like, well, it's not responding when I say hello or hey there, how are you? Um, you know, do you know Siri? Um, and I think that was the first time it really struck me. And I think it's something that all of us internally who've worked on um, X, bots externally have in common, which mm-hmm. is the understanding that this really is a different method of interaction. And the tools that you need to build them are very different. You know, something that we've been focused on in the last few months, and I'm sure we'll talk about quite a bit on this podcast, but something that Quirin and I have been working on is how do we make sure that the the way in which you author for those interaction types both text and speech, either or, or both often, um, is as seamless as possible. And it's something that's pretty unique. You don't really, it's not a problem that we have in, um, you know, in the web. Uh, it's akin to responsive design, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's the closest thing I can sort of map it to. But that was the biggest thing. How do we make sure that we make it seamless for you to author and test multimodal experiences mm, interesting what about you queen what, what's the yeah. what's the main things that you learn immediately <clears throat> from starting to work on the tool in itself what, what things stuck out to you well i think maybe as a designer so i actually am an industrial uh, designer so i started like designing bikes <laughs> which wasn't web related at all and then i i kind of yeah grew into that, seeing that it's not just about physical objects. They have a whole complex surrounding it, which is often an app or a website or whatever haptic you, you can think around that. And um, I think what, what I found very inspiring or interesting is this, uh, this notion of language. So how do you communicate what your product does or what your service does? 
And uh, communication, I think, uh, comes back in when you're actually designing the tools that you need to be very clear about what the actions are you as a developer can take in in some steps. Or as a designer, they, they might be different, right? Or as a content mm -hmm. writer, what can we do in that aspect? And I think um, in, in designing the tools, uh, that's what's quite inspiring to me because it all comes back to language. And when I, and not just language, it's, it's more of, culture, culture, it's context, it's um, when you design a virtual agent in Europe, it's different than in Asia or in the US, or mm. should it be, should it not be? Mm. Uh, and that's because we communicate um, differently. If I make a Dutch uh, a joke and uh, translate it into, into English from Dutch, it will sound very odd. <laughs> it won't be funny at all. Maybe it will be. You pretty, pretty much just described 90% of my joke repertoire there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think you're funny. <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> no, but um, in all honesty, I think um, in, in my mind, we think about bots and virtual agents, but it's more about in, in the, in the, the more abstract layer, it's about conversational AI, it's about understanding conversations, and that's where AI can help us. But we're still the crafters uh, of the end experience in that. And that's that's what, what still makes it very fascinating uh, to work in today, but I think it will only be more relevant um, in the years to come. Mm. Uh, yeah, mm. I think that, yeah. yeah, no, I think you agree. I, I agree with that. Like, I remember the very first time I started dabbling with um, some of the tool sets out there and mm -hmm. the importance of language when you're creating a tool is important as well because I remember yeah. when we first started building Alexa skills and Google Actions and things like that and it was one system calls it a slot, another one calls it an entity, you know, one, one calls it a parameter, another calls it a variable and it's the language that's used to describe the tools that we're using and the activities that we're doing is important if we're going to get some sort of agreement on the standards of of what it takes to design a good application surely mm -hmm. yes yeah 100 and you know by the very nature of our um product it's very extensible so we support a number of different channels out of what we call channels out of the box so you know web chat we had Skype, we've got Teams, we've got Slack. Uh, they all have different terms for different things. And so we have almost a, a dual layering of that problem, which is we need to make sure that our tool set and SDKs um, and platform has terms that people who are coming from other platforms can understand, yeah. as well as the end user experience working across them, because we also have extensibility so that our platform and suite of tools can power Alexa skills, can power Google assistance. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's been some consolidation. You know, you've obviously got natural terms like NLP, mm -hmm. natural language models, but we still all seem to have different terms for a, you know, a, a, a dialogue or a topic or, or something like that. And a trigger. I think that's, it's not, yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's, it's um, but hopefully everyone's got to the point where we've named them intuitively so people can move between the platforms. I think for the most part, that's true. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So we've got MS Build coming up soon. Uh, is it next week or the week after? Next week. Yeah. Next week. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we'll include a link to people to sign up for MS Building. <laughs> um, 
so I mean, we'll, we'll get into the 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 tooling and things like that, and we'll have we'll have the discussion about that potentially, maybe what we can look forward to uh, at build. But mm-hmm. for those people who you know, maybe 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 you're a designer who predominantly uses a tool like VoiceFlow, or maybe you're a developer who hasn't yet come across or used Microsoft's uh, bot services. There's a lot of very powerful applications that have been built using the Microsoft uh, infrastructure. You know, the BBC, Beeb Assistant comes to mind. I know there's countless examples, Flow in the US, and a whole bunch mm-hmm. of, um, I think, Swisscom actually use uh, Microsoft behind the scenes with Tineo over the top of it. Um, and so there's a, there's a really good example of some very high-performing, very well-built uh, conversational AI applications that have been built using Microsoft services. But for people, and, and I was I, I remember going through this with all of the providers, with IBM, with Google, with Amazon, with Microsoft, when mm-hmm. I very first started exploring the tool sets available, it was, you know, there's, there's lots of different capabilities, essentially. And I'm wondering whether we can just start there in terms of giving us the lay of the land in terms of what exactly is available in terms of kind of conversational AI or voice capabilities that Microsoft has. And then maybe we'll get on to the composer conversation because I know, Karin, you've been doing a lot of work on that and templates and things like that. So, But maybe, Scott, I wonder whether you can just give us the lay of the land for someone who's never come across Microsoft's AI services or conversational AI services. What what capabilities exist and, and what products are out there? Yeah, sure. And I think it's a it's a great point that you make that, they, that it can be confusing for someone coming in because another thing that we've been doing over the last 12 months is trying to get that story as crisp as possible. Um, I think it's fair to say that we struggled in exactly the same way that other uh, providers do. So, so effectively we, we call the, the all encompassing pieces of Microsoft AI conversational AI platform. And that is effectively a suite of platforms, tools, and services that allow you to build conversational applications. Now underpinning everything is where we started, which is the Microsoft Bot Framework SDK. It's available in a few different languages and you can use code to write conversational applications. And on top of that, we have something called Azure Bot Service, which is a Microsoft Azure Cloud service where you can take your application, which is effectively just an API, Um, And you can plug it into this service and you can then pick one or more channels or platforms that you want to surface your conversational agent on. Uh, And so it's very, very quick for you to make it available via your website, um, now via telephony. Um, But since the inception of the Azure Bot Service and Bot Framework, our the number of services and platforms that we have has grown within the conversational AI platform. So if you're a pro developer, you can use Azure Bot Service, the Bot Framework SDK, and Bot Framework Composer, our visual designer, um, to craft applications, where bot applications, and extend them with code. And it's extremely flexible. However, we also have something called Power Virtual Agents, which is part of our Power Platform. Um, and that's a, effectively a, um, a visual designer, um, which is aimed more at the citizen developer or the business user, where it's um, low-code, no-code, effectively, so that you can actually start on Rails. Um, you can effectively do a subset of what you can do within Composer. But we've worked really hard over the last 
six, 12 months, certainly since Power Virtual Agents came uh, online and went uh, generally available to make sure that the experiences work together, right? Because they are built on top of our platform. So effectively where we've ended up is we now have a suite of tools and services where you can start where it makes sense for you, like based on your scenario, depending on how complex it is, based on the audience type, whether you're a, a business user, a citizen developer, or a pro developer. Um, and, but you can collaborate with anyone, right? So you can actually extend solutions um, uh, either way. Um, and then we also have additional services that are cropping up now, which are more specialized and more vertically focused. So things like Microsoft HealthBot, which provides health-specific solutions that are more turnkey in terms of being able to roll them out. But again, we're all based on the same bot framework yeah. SDK and bot service. Interesting. And then presumably something like uh, Lewis NLU sits behind the bot framework and then you have, you know, isolated speech services that you could use like text-to-speech, natural language generation, things like that, that you can presumably plumb in uh, as, yeah, as and, when needed. And that's a really good way of, of, of framing it, which is we have the bot service and then to the side, we have other AI services, our cognitive services, um, Lewis for language understanding, Q&A maker for knowledge, which you effectively plug in. They are what adds the intelligence to your bot. Nice. So it's more like pick and choose from, let's say, your cognitive services uh, side, uh, well, how you want to enhance your assistant or bot. And I think what Gary mentioned really, really nicely is so we, we do have a PVA, which is maybe... Um, a little bit more, uh, if I can say the word, patternized. So um, it's easier to follow and you do not need to have like code experience really to, to, to set up a, a quick demo or, or a bot that does enterprise things or scenarios that are common. But if you want to really go deeper and personalize it to a certain extent that that framework doesn't, well, that let's say offering doesn't doesn't give you that, then you can enhance it with a composer, which gives you, in that sense, a lot more flexibility and also looking at the channels, the amount of services surrounding it. Um, yeah, it, it's just whatever fits, well, you as a developer or as a, a team, you, you know, it's not just a developer creating an agent. It's a <laughs> multidisciplinary team if, if, if yeah. you do it correctly <laughs> or the way it should be. <laughs> Uh, that you have a conversation designer and, uh, and someone who's, who's very cautious around content. And of course, uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, you explained that really nicely. Yeah. And uh, when, when we've spoken in the past, we've had conversations mm -hmm. around um, the ability, because obviously it's it's a, a platform, which means that you can build as much or as little as you want. You can build one conversation if you wanted to. And this this notion of um, enabling companies to get started with relatively low risk in terms of, you know, time, effort, outlay, relatively low expense. Because if you're just going to, you know, trial one conversation in a IVR, for example, or maybe you just want to trial a conversational agent on certain pages of your website that handle certain queries, you don't have mm -hmm. to boil the ocean and do the whole thing at once. I'm just curious about how you're, maybe we'll get onto that conversation in terms of how you recommend people get started. But before that, what's your kind of observations on the kind of teams and people that are using this? Is are, is it predominantly your likes of Swisscom, who we mentioned, and BBC, who are building 
large scale, high volume, customized assistance on top of this technology? Are you seeing, you know, smaller organizations uh, able to to build and deploy con- conversational agents? What's that? What what kind of of companies predominantly are you noticing uh, adopting adopting it? And what kind of teams do they have uh, working on it? Bit of a think, general question, but I'm just trying to I'm just trying yeah, to help no, no. Frame I, I whether or not this is like a, a yeah. toolkit for large enterprises spending millions of pounds, yeah. or whether it's a toolkit for small companies who can you know get started and and you know what the general what your observations of who's doing this in the marketplace are. No, it's it's so I think like of course we we work for for Microsoft and uh, enhancing these enterprise customers uh, sometimes. It's very convincing because it works really nice even in such a big corporate, let's <laughs> say. Um, and this is my personal opinion, right? So, uh, mm. but um, I mean, we've worked with startups in in the sense. So last year, uh, we worked really closely with Optimus Ride, so uh, autonomous vehicles um, around Boston. When it's just a small team, it's two mm. devs, a designer, and us just trying to work together a little bit and see how they use our tools because we also want to learn from our customers right it's mm-hmm. uh, it's never something that we just push out and say get on with it uh, we want to learn from <laughs> uh, yeah how, how bot builders uh, use our tools but um, I think in general it's it's a really big mix so you can get started quite quite easily right it's free it's online uh, it's open source so uh, the templates are there as well. It's just uh, we're seeing that, of course, it's 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 going to be a big mix in in the way we've positioned it as a platform. Mm. So you do not need to have all those prescriptions set to get to that let's say extreme level. You can get started right away. Um, yeah, I yeah. think that's how I perceive it. And maybe Gary, you see differently. So. No, I think you're right. It's it's definitely a a big mix. And actually, it's not just a case of is it a large enterprise who are with a with a large team? We can we've seen large enterprises with small, tiny teams building bots that are going to get rolled out across the organization. And we've seen large enterprises where they're more mature in their, you know, conversational application thinking. And it, it it's usually a journey, right? Where they will start off. I mean in general, certainly when I was external from Microsoft in an agency, you saw one of two things. Either it's a developer um, who has discovered the technology, they go and build a proof of concept that solves some sort of a problem, then that bubbles up towards the, uh, the sort of the, the leadership or the, the business users, and they go, oh, wow, we're going to roll this out, we want this, and then it, it almost organically grows. Or it comes the other way, where the business users have sort of seen or the leadership have seen an example of it, and they say, okay, I want you to go and build and solve this problem, but I've seen it with a bot. And I think that mm-hmm. it, it's really a mix there. I think the one thing I would say, though, is um, even tiny teams, like even you know, a single developer can... Mm-hmm do an incredible amount with this platform. Um, and, you know, I, I worked on a, um, uh, a bot for a, uh, a large uh, automotive company in the UK um, before joining Microsoft. And they uh, wanted to roll out a proof of concept that was on their website that answered questions and handled things like changing account details. Just a couple of small uh, use cases. Um, 
and the plan was to have that on the website and pushed out for four weeks uh, and then they would take it off and review it uh, that went out um, after a very short development window um, with a very small team. It was myself, a, a UX designer, um, and a, a project manager. Um, and it never got turned off because it started handling 4 million messages no. over three months. Um, and I think that's quite often how these things start. They start as small teams and expand. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I it's like, also, I like maybe just to add, it's also very advisable to start small and create yes. this core team that understands what patterns work best or what to consider in this specific context, right? So Gary just sketched a very specific context. And if you do it right, then the value is there immediately, which is so great about, let's say, the design in bots or uh, conversational agents, because there's so much value there if you just start small and yeah. <laughs> get yes. to know what you're doing. And that's where it kind of come back kind of come back, uh, kind of comes back with if you start with with the tooling on this platform, you're yeah. almost there already. So yeah, <laughs> there's don't, just so don't much try and boil the ocean. Yeah. 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 Don't try and boil the ocean. We've yeah. seen some of the biggest failures I've seen have been where uh, organizations have just taken on too much. They've said, mm -hmm. we're going to build a an assistant that works across the whole organization and handles everything from HR to vacation. You know, it, it does everything. And those projects do, you know, get some steam uh, underneath them. And they've got large teams, but they just never deliver because mm -hmm. they're waiting for it to be finished. And actually, the truth is, with a conversational application, you start, yes. but you don't ever finish. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. yeah, it's like it's like recruiting a, a workforce, isn't it? The more bots you add, the more conversations you add, the more people you're pretty much employing, and the more it takes <laughs> looking after, and the more it takes work to do. You know, I think. Yeah. I think having that vision is a really good idea and being able to sell that to the people who are going to end up giving you the, the space and team to be able to implement this kind of stuff is a good idea. Um, but yeah, you're right. You don't have to do it all at the same time. You start one, one at a time, you know? Yeah, we're, we're, very much. I think as, as much as we've seen the teams mature, um, you know, the, the roles mature that we've seen over the years, um, what we're also starting to see is that uh, almost operationalization of um, conversational AI authoring and, and, and governance. And I think what we're many of the conversations that we have with customers today is about, well, we've now got three successful uh, bots that are rolled out. We've got this one that's over here in Microsoft Teams that's handling HR. Or we've got this one that's on the public website that's handling you know, customer service. And we've got another one over here which we've rolled out on you know, Alexa. How do we bring them together? You know, we don't want, you know, or in fact, the question often comes back, should we have many bots or should we have one well, from um, right yeah and and so it's now a case of well how can we effectively structure that platform within the organization so the the, the conversations that we're having have definitely matured significantly in the last 18 months mm. Yeah, especially when you have those situations where <clears throat> it's it's just the natural emergent strategy isn't it that tends to happen where HR needs something now 
So yeah. if they can get a team in to come and build them a bot for teams and extend all that stuff out to the organization so they can book holidays and, you know, see how much sick leave they've got or whatever it might be, then that mm-hmm. makes sense. But then meanwhile, the marketing team wanted to run some kind of promotional thing. So they build a chat bot and then the customer service team are looking at the IVR and all of a sudden it takes someone in the organization to say, hang on, <laughs> what, this you mean you're using, that. you're using that technology and you're using yeah. that technology and what's going yes. on over here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really, yeah, interesting. It's, it's nice to see the things are maturing, though. I mean, we've got a nice kind of maturity model that we use to try and assess where people are. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things is how many different bots have you got using how many different platforms managed by how many different teams um, yeah. and try to come up with a, a standardized approach because the way that one team designs conversations is not going to be the same as another team and they're going to be using language and, and terms and all this kind of stuff yeah. that might be inconsistent and that. So yeah. yeah and we've seen incredible growth with COVID, you know, obviously yeah. with the, with the whole pandemic. And as you said, I think you touched on the point perfectly, which is it was out of necessity, you know, yeah. so many yeah. companies just suddenly were disparate and remote and they needed this digital transformation to happen. I mean, we now see, uh, we've seen 4 billion messages go through the platform. Um, I think that's, I I think that's over the last uh, year. Yeah. 4 billion messages over the last year and 400% growth. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. been staggering to watch Uh, and scary, you know, at the same time, you're, you're looking at it and thinking, okay, well, how do we, how do we make sure we scale and our, our products mature along with our customers because it's the best problem and the worst problem where your customers are the ones who are saying to you, there's, there's not enough there. We need you to keep pushing that bar forward. Mm, mm, absolutely. And, and that's where I think for, from, for, from our end and our team, we want to be ahead of that curve, right? So we, we feel the market go up and of course, I mean, COVID has, has its extremes, but it, it's still, the trend is still, going high, 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 and, and mm-hmm. we need to be, well, I feel we are prepared, but <laughs> we need to keep on moving with, with what our customers want or what scenarios they're thinking of, which, which go further than indeed. Um, I think, you know, uh, quite a few years back, it was just a simple chatbot that did some, let's say, manual extraction that you could ask uh, FAQs to, but it's grown. It's it's in the invoice, uh, but it's in hybrid. And how do you manage that even? And then what Gary just mentioned, how do you manage your whole pipeline of bots? Mm. Uh, and maybe that's just in one country. Yeah. <laughs> when you're a global <laughs> company. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned there, I mean, Gary, you touched on it, you mentioned AI ops and stuff like that. And obviously with 400% growth and 4 billion messages uh, sent, there's going to be teams here who maybe started out in your kind of car example where started with a chatbot thinking it's going to be a trial, put a bot in there quickly because COVID's here. All of a sudden, they're not just managing uh, a new bot that they've launched, they're managing scale. And they're getting, you know, I'm, I've been aware of, of many uh, organizations who've had, you know, thousands of interactions over the course of days. And now they need to deal with it. And it's not, it's not just fire it away and let it go. It's like, well, let, we need to analyze what's happening. We need to make sure that it's working. We need to retrain the models yeah. and pick up on things that are outside of, outside of the initial scope and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's yeah, the volume is good and the, and the scale is good. But then presumably that gives you new requirements from the tooling perspective and from a provision perspective, because now you're dealing with customers who are facing situations for the first time, you know? 
Yeah, uh, uh, hugely. Um, and we have a, uh, we've had a focus for some time, but it's going to be um, even more of a focus for us going forward over the next six to 12 months on telemetry, right? We have mm-hmm. a very rich telemetry layer within our um, platform that I don't think we've yeah. necessarily always done a good job of uh, making discoverable, but you can enable very, very quickly, and it's much easier now within Composer, um, a rich set of telemetry that will tell you so much detail about how the conversation is is happening. And we've we've even mapped some of that telemetry over to more traditional um, visualizations that you might get for the web. So, for example, you'll, you'll have probably seen those diagrams in Google Analytics or other such platforms where you see that everybody comes to the homepage and then uh, 10% of the traffic's going one place and, you know, here's where people are dropping off in each layer. We've now hooked our telemetry up so that you can do that with dialogues, pieces of your conversation, so that you can actually see how people are moving through your bot, which is incredibly interesting to see, especially for a, um, a richer application. And I think, you know, there's there's a, a realization now from a lot of customers out there that that mm-hmm. telemetry really is gold. And it provides an opportunity that we've never had before. With the web, you can see when people came to your website and you can see when people bounced and left. And you know that you did not fulfill their needs but you have no idea what their need was. Whereas with conversation, the huge advantage is they always tell you what they want, right? So even if you haven't handled their question, they always tell you what they want. So you have this rich data set that you can mine, um, you know, pretty easily in most cases and say, okay, well, this is the next use case that we're Mm. going to tackle and this will handle 60% of our drop queries. Yeah, and enhancements with feedback, let's say forms or any way of feedback via via IVR or in the chat, they enhance that telemetry because we've also seen that that you know once you have those visualizations of your of your chatbot data, you want to compare it with some sort of standard that's that's specific to your context and your company, right? And if if typically you started in that, let's say, smaller construct of a team, and then uh, it goes viral, <laughs> you wanna you wanna track, uh, let's say, the quality of your experience across across bots and across regions, and that's where the add-ons with that basic line that Gary just mentioned, like analyzing the steps, it's 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 so powerful. And um, yeah, and, uh, sorry, I was just thinking back about. What Gary and, and you also just mentioned on, you know, typically you start with a smaller team and then it expands, or there's some sort of weight shift. So you, you people on the team sometimes need to adjust uh, that their work has shifted to something new as well, right? So, um, uh, and that's and and that's uh, I think the fun side of working on tuning as well that we need to think ahead of the team structures changing teams that are growing and inclusivity or accessibility are, are big bits of that. And uh, even in, in the culture aspect of the team itself, but also the tools should reflect that for them, these changing roles. Because um, we, we can't predict in, in a few years what new roles <laughs> will take uh, take part in that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that the one of the best examples of that is 
a role such as uh, your mm-hmm. own, which is um, certainly um, in my previous experience, the biggest shift often was the fact that we would have uh, designers who were, even if they were from a digital background, were very, very mm-hmm. used to working on web applications, right? And understanding how people interact, you know, uh, with a, a page. And there is a, a significant shift there to a new role, really, you know, and it is a new role. It's just the fact that people are effectively now either doing both or are shifting completely. And it is a conversation designer. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's incredibly important because without a focus on how that conversation flows, where are the potential points where you might get disambiguation or forking in the conversation? It's a, you, you can end up with an experience that does more harm than, than good, right? So it's all great channel shifting and deflecting people away from um, the telephone lines, which is often what these are designed to do in the first place. But quite mm-hmm. often you see customer satisfaction go down if you don't do it right. Mm. which is a shame because it's a great opportunity to see customer satisfaction mm. go through the roof. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I think the, the I'm glad to see the conversation design practice um, becoming a lot more of a community now. You know, three, yeah. year, three years ago, I just didn't really, it kind of existed, but not really. Yeah. Whereas now it's like the, the, the voice community in general is almost segmented in some areas. And you've got mm-hmm. com- uh, this kind of budding community now of conversation designers and practitioners who are kind of banging the drum uh, and evangelizing for for conversation design best practice and all that a lot, which is which is good to see because I think that's where a lot of companies get themselves caught up a little bit is that they launch something that, that has had no design input. And technically speaking, it kind of works, but it's not allowing yeah. for a whole bunch of scenarios that um, that maybe some user research or some design input may have, uh, may have provided. And also turning it into an experience rather than a input output, turning it into an actual conversation, I think is, mm-hmm. is where a lot of the magic is in this kind of, uh, in this thing. So that's, uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, quick shout out to Esteban Gorapix from a text He's saying, hello. Uh, good to see you. Nice to see you, uh, Esteban. He was on the podcast the other week, actually. Uh, so mm-hmm. do check that one out. If you, uh, if you are so inclined, uh, Martin Lenz Fitzgerald, uh, another uh, Dutch, self-professed Dutch cowboy, actually, mm-hmm. uh, Martin Lenz Fitzgerald, uh, who's saying Open Voice Network works on that. I think he was talking about when we were on about standardization and processes and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to the tools then, we, we've touched on this and we'll come to Composer in a moment, but we've got a question from Michael McTeer. Uh, McTeer, shout out to Michael. Uh, I haven't seen you for a while. Obviously, COVID has uh, locked everyone down and we haven't been to any events in any recent years. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I recently came along, uh, I came across Q&A Maker. A shout out to Salome from Nuance, uh, new potentially new colleague for both of you there. Uh, recently came across <laughs> Q&A Maker. Uh, can you say something about it? How can it be used to create a QA type conversation? Who wants yes. to have a stab at answering Michael's question? Yeah, I mean, I Gary can, can start and now I have to. Yeah. So I think the, the good news here is that this is a really good example of where you can start small, um, yeah. but then you're, that it's a, again, we've worked hard to make sure all of our services interoperate and work together. So you can, if you want to, head over to qnamaker.ai or just head over to Microsoft Azure and find Q&A Maker. And they have a portal where you can import um, knowledge from various sources, Manual. like a website Q&A Maker, 
yeah, manual PDF or an FAQ page. Um, and it will create a, um, a knowledge base for you that you can then ask questions and you get an API that you can use. And from there, you can create a, a bot. The good news is, though, that now um, with our sort of renewed focus on or, or continued focus on integration, you can use Bot Framework Composer, our um, visual open source visual designer. Um, and in Composer, one of our new templates that you'll find is a Q&A maker template so that you can pick that template and then we will guide you through the process of importing your knowledge. But around your knowledge base that gets created, we've infused the best practices in terms of there is a, a, a trigger there to handle user greeting when they join the conversation. So we're taking the Q&A maker service and putting it inside of a conversational context. Um, and quite often that's how bots start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you know, bots quite often then get built around um, Q&A maker. Um, so it's a great way to get started. And I definitely encourage you to get started with uh, with Composer, Bot Framework Composer today. But Quirin, I don't know what else you, you want yeah, to say. Yeah, I think uh, around Q&A maker. So um, once we started out with it, it was really like a manual infuser, but it's it's grown to add like multi-term conversations even around your manual. So. Um, and I think that also shows the, the value of the service on its own. So you can actually, uh, in, the, in the tool, plan that in and map that out um, there. And then in Composer, you can uh, actually, well, let's say experience <laughs> what you've created there because we have, um, uh, let's say, a preview of, of the bot you're making. So you can chat and see all the relations you've set also inside of Composer and not just in Q&A Maker, because in Composer you're creating your your assistant, your bot, which has those core capabilities like greetings, help when you're stuck, uh, canceling out, what do you say when that happens? Um, so you, you get a be- better picture of your whole bot. Um, and Q&A Maker is just a, a, a very great, well, very good service to get started if you're interested in answering those, let's say, typical FAQ, FAQs, yeah. Yeah, and for the link for Composer, you can check out um, aka.ms slash try Composer. Um, you can head over there to uh, download the latest version, and we will have a new version coming out for Build, Microsoft Build, next week. Um, and the, I guess the good news here is the biggest focus for us there really has been how can we make it as easy and seamless as possible for you to go from nothing to a bot that's published in Azure and available on one or more channels um, using one of these new templates. And the templates cover a a range of capabilities, whether you're starting with a a blank or an empty bot, a uh, Q&A-based scenario, right through to an enterprise template, which has integration with the Microsoft Graph and Microsoft 365 and has calendar capabilities um, and I think one of the things that we've improved as you've used our platform before is we've had all of these capabilities before, but you had to choose up front, am I going to build an enterprise bot or am I going to build a simple bot? And if you wanted to go from a simple bot to an enterprise bot, it potentially wasn't you know, super, super straightforward. But now all of our templates are effectively based on the same foundation. Um, and we have the idea of what we call um, components or packages um, inside of Composer. So you can start with a simple bot, and then we have lots of um, 
enhancements packages available which can contain pre-built conversation uh, pre-built dialogue so let's say you are um you want to do hand off to a, a live agent a human agent previously that would have required manual integration quite a bit of development work now in one click you can a- you can enable hand off to service now hand off to live person um and it's incredibly straightforward um and so we're really pleased with uh, the new flow and, and hope all of our customers are too. Nice. Yeah, and I, I think maybe just to enhance um, a little bit around the template. So once you create a new bot, a bot you have that uh, multi-selection of templates that are of interest to you. So it goes really from almost a core assistant towards a full enterprise assistant. And I, I do think uh, well, where we've spent some significant time on is making sure uh, the the subset, so your calendar bot, can actually handle your calendar conversationally. So you can have a conversation around, when do I have breaks today? And it scans your calendar and brings out the logic. So it's, it's not just around, hey, when's my next meeting? Or uh, when do I have a meeting with Gary? It might be a little bit uh, more extreme. I mean, those basics we cover, but there's just so much more there. And I think if, if, you, if you're getting started in that, in that aspect, in, in that space, so around um, calendar-related queries, around uh, people-related queries, um, so asking, uh, hey, uh, who's a peer of Gary? Uh, if, if you have that org structure set up, you can actually get a conversational answer back. So um, around those templates, it just depends on what kind of, let's say, uh, depth <laughs> you're looking for. And it's also nice to just open them up and see the way um, we've designed the flows for you because they are exemplary uh, cases. So uh, you can also learn a lot by looking at, at them. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very deliberately, mm-hmm. we've taken our best practices from everything that we've learned and our customers have learned over the last few years and infused all of our templates with that best practice. So it's um, it's been good. I, I noticed someone's posted a link in the chat to um, our GitHub repository. That is the correct link um, for Composer on GitHub. And it's worth calling out that it is completely open source. The primary way that you interact with Composer is you download it and install it as an Electron app. So it's available on Windows, Mac, and Linux. Um, but you can also run Composer locally as a web application. And so we do see customers who actually take a fork of Composer and have it running centrally within their, um, applica- within their organizations in the browser. So it's very flexible in that way as well. Mm, interesting. And these templates, it's so... Mm-hmm. Are these basically just like plug plug and play? You'll fire up Composer, you can choose a template, you choose a calendar template, you integrate it with uh, Outlook or what have you, 365, your Active Directory or whatever. Yeah. And then the conversation patterns are already set, they're already done, it's already pre-built. Am I understanding that yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. completely pre-built. So, and even inside of Composer, you can pu- publish it out. So it's all inside of, <laughs> of Composer ready for you to to... You can adapt it still to the extent that I don't think you want to change the a lot of the logic in these in these templates. You could, by the way, but if if you, I mean, we're all creating bots for for probably your own brands or companies. So creating those little personal touches is completely possible in the canvas. So you see the flows, and on the right you have a a, pay, a pane where you can make those adjustments in your uh, LG. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. 
And I think it's it's good to call out at this point that the the way the bot project is structured means mm-hmm. that your conversational logic, you know, how does the conversational flow? When are you prompting? When are you branching? Um, and how are you responding to uh, events like disambiguation is separate from the actual content. So you yeah. can, we support multilingual bots. So you can have a shared flow, but you can have multiple languages. And the, the pre-built conversations that we talked about, yes, we have some very rich um, and quite expansive ones, such as calendar capabilities. But now that we have this idea of components and packages, community members, um, can also contribute. So we have a um, another repository which we support, which is the Bot Builder Community on GitHub. Mm-hmm. So it's github.com slash Bot Builder Community. Um, and there, the community are contributing uh, packages. And one of them that we had recently uh, was a weather package. Now, if you install that weather package into Composer, it adds a dialogue which uh, so effectively a set of conversational uh, logic to um, be able to answer queries about the weather. And it includes Mm -hmm. the natural language model. It includes the conversational flow um, and the integration with a third party API. Now you can install that and that's a great starting point. But then if you need to tweak that to use a different weather service, to use a different language, to tweak tweak the the way that you know the content works or tweak the natural language model for your audience then you can do that and so we're anticipating and hoping that over the course of the next you know weeks and months and uh, years that this collection of components increases and the community mm-hmm. continue to contribute mm. interesting we've, we've, we've touched on this before where we've kind of been thinking about different industries that have or similar an industry that has similar companies if you like similar products and services and mm-hmm. we talk a lot about patterns which is basically templates isn't it conversation patterns yeah. will manifest yeah. themselves in templates in, in composer and whether we'll reach a point where you know for something like i don't know making a I don't know, shopping is an ideal one. Adding things to your shopping list or, mm-hmm. or, or uh, asking for a refund from customer service or yeah. inquiring about making a claim from your insurance. Whether these kind of things would have just common patterns that over time will just be like templates that, that you know, you've got a starting point and you can just fire it away if you want to and use that. Booking an MOT, for example, booking a meeting with somebody. Those kind of common conversations that will happen at the moment, everyone's just designing them all from scratch, aren't they? Do you think that, that what you have here potentially is the beginnings of some kind of standardization as far as conversational patterns for certain conversations is concerned? Yeah, so so I think, uh, and that that expands not just uh, from uh, in our conversational AI team, it goes across the board, right? So you can imagine at Microsoft, we have more teams working (laughs) on voice-related experience or or chat experiences as well. Um, And there are a subset of patterns that we've internally, let's say, standardized. And I think in my mind, the way I look at it, uh, just the same as with um, UI for website, you have design systems, right? So we'll have a voice system in place that will maybe even auto-generate some patterns for you if you've, if you've set your scenario. And I think that's something we're definitely looking at um, and it, it will be very beneficial. 
<laughs> if if that's uh, yeah set for yeah. our industry and our work, um, mm. that doesn't yeah, mean I, you won't be relevant in that in that sense. It doesn't mean the system, <laughs> the design <laughs> system, will take away your work. Um, yeah, it's about a starting point. It's like we you know on the web today you have Bootstrap, mm. right? Nobody wants to. Uh, create a nine-column uh, div system to you know design their web page uh, from scratch. You want to focus on the bits that where you can really add value. And so, um, as Quarine said, we've got some things that are have, are in preview um, that we've we've been working on. Things like um, form dialogues, which are effectively generated dialogues, where you specify here's all of the things I'd like to uh, pieces of information I'd like to collect from the customer. Um, and it will generate your dialogues for you, but including uh, triggers to handle disambiguation and slot filling. And we had this idea uh, several years ago with a technology called Formflow, which was much more sequential. Mm-hmm. And it's just getting more and more advanced as it, as it um, continues to grow. And I think in answer to your question about whether or not we see the packages and the patterns um, starting to emerge, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In fact, all the templates that we've been talking about, are, all of them are simply a collection of one or more packages. And so our basic template is effectively a template that contains our help package, which contains dialogues for handling help scenarios, and our cancel package, which you know uh, handles um, yeah help cancel and greeting. Yeah. And so you can see that working on a global level, where we will infuse that into all of our templates. You can still modify it if you want to, um, but many people, from a logic perspective, will leave that as is. But we're also seeing it on more of a, a micro level within customers where maybe they have different markets building um, bots and they identify one market that's doing something really well, maybe, you know, within a particular part of the business, they can now share that starting starter kit, if you like, Mm -hmm. um, for another market who will then tweak it as they need to. It's just Mm -hmm. really a jumpstart for your conversation. Interesting. Mm, I can see a little marketplace kind of opening up here where, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, an insurance company or government organization or whatever it might be just needs to go, uh, you know, to Composer, pick a template. And, you know, we mentioned earlier on about getting started quickly and easily and not needing to put a huge load of team resources into trying something. And this basically just takes that barrier down just a little bit further, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and we believe uh, from our end, like opening up that 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 whole context, or opening up all those packages. Like it's it's something built by the community, and we're all we're all in. So <laughs> we're doing the same in that sense. So uh, uh, I, th- yeah. I think that's an inspiring bit around it. Yeah. Yeah, we we're very very we we build in the open. You know, but I think the vast majority, if not all, of our tools mm-hmm. um are open source um and we've worked with the community in fact that's how i ended up joining the team um yeah. i founded i founded the bot builder community project with some other microsoft mvps and so got to know the team well because microsoft are getting incredibly good at collaborating out in the open source um uh space and so it's it's 
been really uh, heartening to see as we've been building out these features and they've been in preview around packages the community has immediately jumped on them and started to um, you know make components available and no longer will people need to rewrite human handoff scenarios from scratch mm -hmm. which everybody was doing and now it's yeah. turnkey one yeah. click and it just works that's wicked i love that that is absolutely fantastic. I'm definitely a fan of that. Um, and if you're tuning in and you want to get up close and personal with Composer and see the ins and outs of it, and you want to uh, essentially almost see Gary and uh, and Quirin sort of uh, test drive it yeah. over the next uh, over the next few weeks. Obviously, MS Build is coming up next week, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some additions. I'm sure there'll be some news that comes out. And if you want to kind of join us in a couple of weeks' time to uh, to see the output of that, to see what's new, and to get up close and personal with it, then please do go to vux.world forward slash Microsoft and sign up for the webinar there. Uh, Gary Quirin, this has been absolutely immense. Absolutely delighted to have you along. Uh, where can people go? We've mentioned it. We've put a few links in there, but in case we've missed there, any, where can people go to either reach out and follow yourselves uh, online or, or where can people go to, to trial Composer and to learn more about Microsoft's conversational AI services? Um, uh, I can redirect to Azure Bot Services is, is, our, is our marketed landing page, but from, from there you can actually see, you know, it, it's Composers are a dev design tool, but uh, there's a lot more that we do. So um, that's all, all in that. And also it links to our documentation where next week you'll see uh, an update around uh, conversation design because we have a guide coming out. So that's really about conversational user experience that we've collaborated with um, another team at Microsoft um, around uh, content intelligence. So, so there's some folks that worked on Cortana. Um, so we've infused that in one guide. And I think it's a great Kickstarter um, when you get started with, with building uh, your virtual assistant in the sense that you know that these templates are there and you can start building it out in Composer or PVA, whatever fits uh, fits you best. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll share the link as well. Yeah, yeah and if you, if you hit that um, aka.ms link, so aka.ms slash tryComposer, that will actually take you to the Azure Bot Service page on Azure where you can download Composer but mm -hmm. get links out to all of those um, things um and uh, you know also i think the other thing to say is we're a very open team we come from the same uh, sort of community and the same mm -hmm. background and so we love hearing from people who are using the tools even if you come to us and say this tool sucks right now and i here's why right? so yeah. Yeah, please yeah. feel free to reach out i mean i'm at gary pretty on twitter and my, my DMs are open, so please reach out and uh, we would love to hear from you and uh, you know help you build some awesome conversational solutions. Wicked. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. Really appreciate it. We've got some thanks coming through. Carmen says, I think it's going to be huge and drive a ton of developers towards Composer. Great initiative. Very smart. Erin, many, many thanks for your time, Kay and Gary and Quirin. And another hello from Nuance. We've got uh, <laughs> hello. some of your new colleagues joining us on the uh, on the broadcast here. Um, yeah, this, this has been absolutely fantastic. Really appreciate your time. Uh, as I said, if you do want to join us again for another session where we get up close and personal with Composer, 
bux.world forward slash Microsoft is where you need to be. And uh, yeah, we will hopefully see you there. Gary, we're in. Good luck at uh, MS Build. And uh, (laughs) we'll see you again very soon. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Thank you.